Good evening. You're listening to Virtual Soundscapes on WJFF. I'm Matt Hurtado, and I'm here joined tonight by Joe Erskine, a veteran of the video game industry for over 10 years, currently a producer at Private Division. Joe, how's it going? It's going great, Matt. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me, man. Joe, can you tell me a little bit about what being a video game producer means before we start? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's different per project and, and different per studio. I think scope changes a little bit, but generally speaking, we're facilitators and and we like to sh- shake our, our magic eight ball, so to speak, and, and try and predict the future. Uh, and what I mean by that is to say that we, we just try to get people unblocked to make sure that there aren't problems, um, uh, such as ones that we can see coming, uh, trying to mitigate risk at all times and, and generally own projects, you know what I mean? Be champions for the team. Uh, on the development side and, and on the publishing side, we just try and, you know, it's more like a project management role in the sense that make sure things are hitting their deadlines and everything's staying uh, relatively on track and uh, and as painless as possible, uh, as difficult as that often is. <laughs> so, Joe, what, what what got you into into video games and into the industry and specifically, you know, can you talk a little bit about your journey into becoming a producer? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think I, it's so interesting this question too because I, think, I feel like no matter who you talk to, everybody's story is largely very unique, you know. And uh, so I, I was at the time I was uh, I was a bartender, you know, service industry in um, in New York City in Brooklyn and Manhattan predominantly uh, all throughout my twenties. And I got married, and I was like, well, maybe I need to have like a real job, you know what I mean? And I started looking at you go back to school and I ended up back at a place called DigiPen Institute of Technology out in Redmond, Washington. And this is, uh, uh, you know, for your college that offers uh, tracks uh, for uh, engineering, um, design, art, uh, all folk with a, with a kind of a games industry focus. And um, I jumped around between design and, and, and engineering uh, for a couple of years. Uh, but because I'd gone back to school so late in my life, uh, at the time anyway, it seemed like, you know, I was, you know, approaching my thirties and, and, um, you know, getting my feedback under me a little bit. And I think ultimately what happened was I was kind of like one of the older statesmen uh, of the student body at that point. And, uh, it became very quick, you know, I want to say like not quick, but it, it happened like over a couple of projects where sometimes when you're dealing with, you know, some of the younger crew, or at least it was, it, it appeared to me at the time, I think ultimately like they just needed some guidance and some um uh you know just kind of a push in organization and make sure tasking was getting done and meetings were being held to you know make sure we were everybody was communicating and on the same page as far as the project were concerned and that's largely you know uh, or at least the uh you know bigfoot in the door i suppose as far as production is concerned so that was kind of my weird roundabout way of doing it it took it took a long time but i ended up landing a job right after school there uh at a studio called V1 Interactive, which uh, which is where you and I ended up uh, meeting eventually, and uh, uh, ultimately spent about five years working on a project there that launched, and uh, spent a year uh, at um, Blizzard working on Diablo 4 before it launched, and then I moved over to the publishing side, and so now I've kind of taken a step away from dev, but you know obviously heavily relying on my dev experience to to kind of parlay that into a publishing career. So, Joe, let me ask you. So, I mean, you mentioned, you know, a lot of things there. Um, so, you went from bartending to working as yeah. a producer for Disintegration at V1. Now you're right. at... I, I, about four years of college in there to, to get to get to that point. But yes, yes. Did, did you feel like there were any skills that you carried over from, from like, 
bartending to you know do you, do you ever you ever like man it's just, just like making somebody's hard mixed drink like somebody came to me and you know asked me to 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 move this thing and i don't think it's going to taste good but i have to do it anyway do you think anything like that every single day matt every <laughs> single day i i truly i think ultimately like one of the best things uh that i could have parlayed and, and what seems like they don't relate at all but like dealing with people every single day you know what i mean like the 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 code switching that happens with regulars, the way you talk to certain regulars and the way you talk to other regulars, like that communication process, understanding people's needs, understanding people's personalities and, and having that three foot, you know, stone barrier in between you and them uh, gives you that position of not power, so to speak, but like when you're at a bar, generally speaking, if you're a halfway decent customer, you, you know, you respect the rules of the bar, you hopefully tip, you do the thing, you know, you, you try not to cause trouble and, you hopefully have a good time, right? And if you know, in my opinion, if your bartender is a good one and they're taking the time to give you a little special attention, especially if you've been there for a while or you're constantly coming back, you know what I mean? And I think those those communication skills have served me very, very well. Uh in in yeah, for the past, you know, ten years or so, for sure. That's awesome. That's a good great analogy. Um and just to follow up on that, so you, you worked on you know, you worked on both the dev side when you were on disintegration at V1 and Vicarious Visions, I think, for Diablo 4? That's right. Yeah, well, I was at Vicarious when they switched over and became uh, Blizzard's Albany. Yeah. So so what would you say is, do you think, is the biggest difference than working on the dev side of a game where you're working with, you know, closely with the developers every day versus working on the publisher side where you're more business-oriented, I guess, more focused on, you know, metrics and telemetry and, you know, that kind of stuff? Sure. Uh, I think... From that side, like you're very much in the weeds every single day, dealing with some some aspect of the project at, at whatever stage you're in. Uh, I think the cool thing about being a producer is that every day is different, regardless of dev or publishing. But like you're constantly on the dev side anyway, always dealing with um, your colleagues. You're dealing with the publisher. You're dealing with certain deadlines or aspects of the project, not only in its current state. But you're always looking forward and you're looking down the road to try and identify things, like I said before, you know, like before they kind of uh, land in your lap, uh, good or bad. And ultimately, on the publishing side, it's very much still that, but it's way zoomed out. You're, you're looking at, you know, the project holistically. You're looking at more, yes, business side of things, um, the way certain feedback tracks and what does that translate to as a Metacritic score or... Is our telemetry giving us all the KPIs we have, well, that we want and could need to succeed, and and all of that stuff? And I think uh, when you look, there are two very different lenses to kind of view a project, but I think uh, both apply to to in many ways to you know people management and project management. Uh, communication is key um, to to you know I might offend other producers by saying this, but to the point of redundancy to, to some to some degree, you know what I mean, like. Drop that email, absolutely. But yeah, maybe put a note in Slack too, just just for the thing, just so you know nobody can come back to you later and say you didn't communicate something. You know what I mean? Yeah, awesome. Um, so when you're working in in the industry, do you, how do you balance your creative vision with technical limitations, market demands? I know it's an important part of being a producer is saying like, hey, maybe this feature is too much, or maybe this maybe this feature would be better. What, what do you think about that? I think one of the greatest things that's happened to production, I'm very much a vibe guy, which I also is, or at least I was for a very long time, much like, you know, trusting my gut and getting a sense of where the team was at, morale, 
with features and stuff like that. And if something didn't feel right, then you would speak up and say, hey, maybe we should actually focus on the thing that we know works instead of trying to put a bunch of resource into, into something that we think would be cool or make it better or whatever, right? And so ultimately, I think um, it's a producer job to rely on not only trusting his colleagues, whether they need departmental, for, you know, like trust your designers, trust your engineers, trust your artists, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like have like track stuff, like track data, like have data driven metrics that are showing you and proving the points that you're trying to make. You know what I mean? Like whether, you know, you can get as granular as you want in the way that you apply time as a cost measurement to any sort of feature or any sort of, uh, you know, piece of art, for instance, that's going to go into the game and function. Uh, and if you're getting accurate at that, then over long term, you'll start to see results. You start, you know, tasking people out appropriately instead of overtasking them and then having unrealistic deadlines. You you give them a, a workload they can handle, uh, both professionally, but also on a personal level where they're not, you know, working crazy hours. And I think if you do have data to back up your points, it's going to be very hard for anybody to argue with you. Awesome. Um, so tell me, you, you know, you've been, you worked on such a wide range of different things. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think that, you know, what was your favorite thing? I mean, you don't have to name the specific game or anything like that, but what was your, what was your favorite, you know, experience that you've had as a producer thus far? I think my favorite experience uh, as a producer is always the stuff that you're doing in between to see if it's actually going to turn into a real project. Real projects are great. Like the fact that any game ever gets made, I think you've probably said this on the show before, maybe not, I don't know, but like it's a it's a miracle. It's it's a, such an intricate and time consuming um slow motion magic trick that any game <laughs> gets made. It really is. And I think ultimately, um it can sometimes, you know, you end up with horse blinders sometimes. You get so focused on something that it's very hard to, you know, see the forest from the tree sometimes. So when all that pressure is off and you're in between projects and you're just kind of spitballing stuff either with your buddies on side projects or like even at work when you're kind of like, oh, we were throwing together some just these ideas just to see if something would stick. I feel like that's that's the stuff when like it feels fun again, not to say that making games for a living is, isn't fun, but like without that pressure, you get to kind of enjoy it a bit more. And I think ultimately the stuff that we would do in between major projects just to see this is like a game jam at, at, at a studio for like a week or two. It was always interesting to see like what would come out of that. Like usually radically different than anything you just shipped. Just a kind of like as a palate cleanser almost. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's always kind of like a celebration to me in that because it's like, oh, this is why we do it. You know, yes, we do it for the, you know, everybody wants to make a game that sells a million copies and is like the greatest reviewed thing. And that, you know, people walk up to you in the street because you're wearing one of the dev shirts. They're like, oh, that game changed my life. And I was like, we, like, of course, we all love that stuff. But at the same time, I think there's this weird high that I've always chased. Like, I used to play in a band, right? And like, in my 20s when I was bartending and stuff. And like, when the four of us were on stage and we were cooking, and we didn't have to look at each other, say anything, but we were, you know, just vibing. And it was, you know, we were cranking it out and keeping the crowd was reacting to stuff. Like, to me, there was no, no greater buzz in the world. You know what I mean? And I feel like... Uh, games became a very natural replacement to a lot of that for me because I, I feel like I've been chasing that ever since. Because when the team is humming and everything's coming around and like all that stuff is happening, um, it's it's an amazing feeling. And you know, you like I said, the slow motion magic trick, you're literally just creating something out of thin air, you know, like any any creative endeavor, right? And ultimately I think, you know, if if the work stuff aside, if you can pull back from that and then still have some fun with it, like to me, those projects were always the best part, the most fun I had as a producer for sure. 
Great, Joe. Thanks for that. And uh, my last question here is, um, you know, it's been kind of a, a bad year for the industry just in terms of, you know, post-COVID layoffs. Uh, I think a lot of people use the term right-sizing. Uh, you know, things look grim across yeah. the board a lot. But um, I wanted to know just what your perspective was on, you know, how how do you feel the future of the industry is looking? And do you think that, you know, things will bounce back? Do you think that there'll be any, you know, positive outcomes from where we are now? Sure. Um, I mean, it, it has been a really weird year for games in the sense of, like, we're seeing probably one of the most prolific and, uh, like, just an amazing roster of games come out this year. You know what I mean? Like, the Game Awards nominees were announced today, I think. I'm not sure when this is airing, but, I, you know, that stuff is out there for people to go look at. And when you just walk down that list and see all the stuff that came out, like, any pundit, any any video games journalist, I think, would unanimously agree that 2023 has been one of the best years for games, maybe specifically RPGs, but that could be a personal take. I don't know. Uh that we've ever seen and at the same time we've also seen one of the you know the great you know two steps back in my opinion of all these people getting laid off and everything else and it, it's really jarring and scary it's one of the most it's the most popular entertainment industry you know what i mean like it's it's mm-hmm. the most profitable it is it's, it's a huge thing and we like if we can't sustain or we see cracks in that facade like it's scary for everybody nobody's safe right and so it's it's a morale killer you know what i mean and it 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 makes it scary for a lot of folks. Um, we, we we thought we'd maybe gone in the right direction with work from home and everything else. And that seems to be changing for a lot of folks too. Well, a lot of people are still enjoying that, that kind of that makeup as well. I do we bounce back. Yeah. I, I think everything is cyclical. We're going to go through, I think some years of we're even, you know, lots of good games continue to come out. I think we need to make sure that as developers or publishers that we are educating the public on how games get made. Uh, so it becomes less of a back, black box. We get better interaction with our communities. We get better understanding uh, around like the intricacies and the costs and the risks involved in in the development of not just big AAA ten pool titles, but also indie games. You know what I mean? And, and smaller and smaller scale things. I, I think as long as we continue to have that dialogue, then we're going to see people get a bit more free with their with the, the you know their discretionary funds. I mean, games are not cheap. It's a the privilege to make them. Certainly, but it's, it's a privilege to play them too. And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, nobody owes anybody anything, but it, if we want to continue to enjoy this little bubble that we have, then we need to continue to invest. We need to understand that, yes, it's a risky business. It's a very expensive thing to make. And not everything is going to be a banger when it comes out. But there are things we've seen great redemption stories for many big titles, you know what I mean? I mean, No Man's Sky comes to mind, certainly. I think when you look at things like Cyberpunk, for instance, the kind of second life that it's having now, it's uh, really, really incredible and, and awesome, not just for the players, but for the devs too. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, as long as we continue to build that trust, as long as we continue to take risks and, and you know, bet on ourselves and, and bet on the industry, I think we're going to, we're going to, you know, there's always going to be rough patches, but I think we're going to, in the long run, we're going to continue to be the most popular <clears throat> entertainment, you know, facet in this industry. And I think ultimately, um, we're all going to just get to play cool stuff, uh, for many years to come, hopefully without costing too many more people their jobs. Joe Erskine, producer at Private Division. Thank you for your time. I really appreciated having you on the show. It's an honor, sir. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate it.